So uh, this morning we're going to be continuing our series we've been on um, called Hardwired for Holiness. Um, and we've been using the quote that you just read there at the end of uh, that video as kind of a framework question or thought for our series. Um, millions of Americans have abandoned religion only to recreate it everywhere they look. We are seeing a decline of religion in America unlike any time and really in our lives before. And yet despite this decline, we're seeing very religious things and actions and, and feelings playing out all over our culture. Um, people are searching for something. They're searching for story, um, story that gives them personal significance in their lives. People are, are searching for um, individualized identity. Like they really are searching for, well, who am I in this world? Um, people are searching for place, and a place that's bigger than simply their family or their workplace, but is there a bigger place for them in this world, and what does that look like? And so what we wanted to notice in this series is that these are incredibly religious questions and attitudes and impulses that we're seeing out there in our culture, and perhaps in here as well. And we're doing a series like this um, right now for an important reason. Um, you see, what Americans seem to be searching for these days, um, they're not secular things, actually, which is really interesting. That's what you would expect. They're sacred things that people are looking for. The reason we're recreating religion everywhere we look as Americans today, as we watch religion fall out of favor, is because God actually designed us to need it, which is really interesting. And you see, church, what that means for us who call ourselves followers of Jesus is that we actually have an opportunity in our country that we never have had before. Because the things that folks are searching for in their lives, these religious impulses, they're not going to find the answers out there. They're not going to. They're just not going to find them out there. They're going to find them here. And we're the ones with the message that we get to share. And so um, this morning, we're going to take a look at another one of these religious impulses that we've been talking about. Um, rhythm and routine. Um, many, many, many Americans are obsessed with rhythm and routine. We want to talk about that today. And so to help us do so, we're going to turn to our scripture reading. If you have your Bibles, um, we're going to turn to Matthew 11. Verses 28 through 30. If you have the small print Bibles here, um, that's 792, page 792. Then the large print is uh, 1389, if you want to turn there with us. Um, our scripture reader this morning is Kelly Golay. Kelly, you can head on up. And as you're turning there, if you could just stand up at the same time, do a little multitasking. Um, and then what we do is we stand and we face the center of the room, of course, if you're able to. The reason we do this is because we believe this book should be elevated in our lives. And so we literally do that um, on days like today. So Kelly, when you're ready, take it away. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Kelly. You all may take a seat, short and sweet today. So rhythm and routine. Rhythm and routine. Um, one of the things that it appears Americans are searching for these days in this decline of religion is rhythm and routine. What is the best rhythm and routine for our lives? Um, we actually have buzzwords in our culture where we talk about these things. We use words like um, 
productivity, uh, self-care, sustainability, um, habits, maximization, things like that to talk about what we mean when we say, um, you know, how do I order my life? Um, The big question is, uh, that I think our culture is asking, is how can I live a life where I am happy and successful and fulfilled? Like, how do I order my life in such a way where those things would happen um, in my life? And there are actually many, many, many authors right now that are trying to answer those questions for us. Um, lots of them. Um, I won't do a raise of hands because it would be awkward, but what about Oprah, right? Oprah is a big deal for people today, still. Brene Brown. I bet there's Brene Brown fans in the house, right? Um, Jordan Peterson. Code Red Christie. I love that one. Tony Robbins. Uh, any Rachel Hollis fans, right? That, she's a big deal. What is, why, why do we love these people so much? Because they're telling us, here's how you order your life to get the most out of your life. Um, this week, my wife and I we went online, and then we compiled a massive list from those, uh, from those web pages that say, here's 10 things you need to do to maximize your life, or whatever it may be. And we made a big, giant list of them. This is what we do on date night. So if you guys need any you know, tips or hints, it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> church, if you want to live your best life right now, um, we compiled all this into a word cloud. This is all you're going to have to do with your life. It'll sh- show up here in just a second. That's it. Pretty simple, isn't it? What we do is we compiled all of these lists, threw them into a word cloud, and aren't you encouraged? <laughs> you ready <laughs> to get after this life, to live our best life now? Um, as we were searching through web pages, I love some of the things that came up on lists. Um, one was start your day every day with a warm glass of lemon water, and you will live the best life now. I, you know, I bet some of you do that. Um, one of them was take cold showers. Um, we just banned that website from our browser. We're not allowed to do that one. Um, one of them was practice proper sleep hygiene. I don't know what that means. So there's one. And then the last one that I thought was really interesting was practice rebounding. Practice rebounding. I think they're not talking about basketball, so I don't know what they're talking about, but you're supposed to practice that and often rebound. You excited? You know, let's get to this best life now stuff. No, I, I didn't think so. It seems that many of us are trying to figure out what in the world does a good life rhythm look like, and it seems to be elusive to many Americans. We can't figure it out. We turn to all of these experts, and these experts give competing information to us, right? You're supposed to do this. No, you're supposed to do this. Um, some people say, you're supposed to eat three square meals a day, right? And then somebody else will say, no, 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 no. You're supposed to eat six small meals a day. And then a couple years later, someone will say, no, 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 those people are wrong. You're supposed to practice intermittent fasting. That's the thing that will make your life just, you'll be a rock star after you do that. Um, Some say, take hot showers. Others say, take cold showers. Some say, take less showers, which I think is a horrible idea. So let's not do that one. Some say, be sure to get a cup of coffee in your system as soon as you wake up. And then other websites say, no, 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 ditch the coffee. You're supposed to drink water. That's what you're supposed to do. And then somebody, and this is real, I saw this on a webpage, said, brew the coffee, but wait to drink the coffee. I don't get that one. Um, and many of us, if we're honest, 
we attempt to do some of these things, right? And the hope is that we will unlock some better rhythm of life, living for ourselves, right? We will live better lives if we do these things and we follow these 10 steps. And you see, there's something important about all of this, actually. It is apparent that the way we live our lives, our habits and our rhythms and our practices that make up our daily lives, that it actually matters to us. It matters a lot to us, actually, how we live our lives. We are wired for rhythm and routine in our lives. We are. In fact, we know this because most of us have had that moment, and often it's painful, right, where our life routine and rhythm is suddenly disrupted. And there's that moment where you're really not sure how to live life anymore at that point, right? We've experienced this. Um, this last summer... There was construction on Filer Road. Now, the fastest way to get from TFRC to downtown is Filer Road. That's the way I always took. And so last summer, one day, I was driving, and I got to Filer Road, and I ran into construction. And then the next day, I was driving, and I had to go downtown again. So I was driving, and I turned on Filer Road, and I hit the construction. Um, actually, there was like 15 times where I had to go from this church to downtown and I hit the construction and I just couldn't change it because it was my rhythm. It was my routine. Perhaps you have experiences like that as well. Rhythm and routine, they're how we're wired as humans. And you see, the Bible actually agrees with this. In fact, much of the Bible, if you were to just look through it and take some notes, much of this is about rhythm and routine. How do you live your life? Like, how do you do that correctly in the best way possible? Literally, there are whole books of the Bible that are purely about your rhythm and routine in life. Um, the book of Leviticus, it's full of all these crazy laws and stuff, right? But really, when you boil it all down, it's what do you do with your life when you're grateful? What do you do in your life when, you're, when you wronged someone and you've got to do something about that? What do you do in your life if you want to stay in God's rhythm for the way that he created us in this universe? How do you do that? Um, in fact, one of the most famous verses in the Bible is the Shema, um, Deuteronomy 6.4. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn there a second. Um, page 145 in uh, the small print and then page 258 in the large print. It's Deuteronomy 6.4. And the Shema is really, and, and it's in like a 10,000 foot view, an instruction on how in the world do we order our lives? What does a rhythm and routine look like? And listen to this. This is what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts, okay? And then the rest of this is, well, then how do you do that in your daily life, right? Like, what's the rhythm of having this stuff on your hearts? Well, the first thing, impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Day in and day out, impress these commands on your children. Find ways every day to make that happen. And continue, talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, in all of these little moments in your life, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what the routine looks like. You talk about them here, and here, and here, and here. From sunrise to sunset, that's what we do. And it's not just talking. It's more than that. If it, it continues, 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You actually need to do something every day in your life to make this thing a reality, a rhythm, a routine for your life. The Shema is all about rhythm and routine, if you think about it. You see, there is a way that God wants his creation to live. There is a routine and there is a rhythm that God built into us to function and to function at our best. We thrive on it. And we long to find it. And it's no surprise at all that when you watch all the stats and you look at the news and you see the decline of religion in our country, that suddenly rhythm and routine is mattering and mattering a lot to Americans. No surprise at all. But here's the thing. All those other routines and rhythms that authors and speakers and Google and whatever that they give us and they say, this is your best life now stuff, all of it will never, ever fill us like we hope. They won't. I'm not saying that they're all bad, right? Perhaps drinking a warm glass of water with lemon in it is a really good idea to do every day. Maybe that's good for you. Um, Perhaps turning technology off 30 minutes a day is a good thing to add to your routine in life. Perhaps getting a certain specific number of hours of sleep every day is really important to your life, and you need to have that as a rhythm. Perhaps block scheduling is a big deal in your office, and that should be part of your rhythm. But here's the thing. All these things that might be good, we might even call them really good, that we're trying to implement into our lives, will never be able to fill that ultimate need in our lives. They won't. We may follow all the rules perfectly, and it still won't give us the satisfaction in life that we long for. In fact, if we tried to follow everything on that word cloud, we'd probably just burn out, wouldn't we? We'd just be done. You know, recently someone at TFRC sent me a video on Facebook, and it's this viral video that, you, that many of you probably have already seen. It's of this high school student. He's the valedictorian, which I didn't know what that word meant. I wasn't that smart in school. Um, apparently, he's, he gave his valedictorian speech and his valedictorian speech was kind of criticizing himself for becoming the valedictorian. Anyone see this video? I bet some of you did. It's a great video. And the speech essentially went like, hey, I followed all the rules. I lived the right rhythm, the right routine. I did it all right, and I got valedictorian. And it was this amazing moment when they gave me the stole, right? It was a really big deal. I was really excited. It was great for like 15 seconds. And then there was second 16, and it was emptiness, nothing. See, that high school student was experiencing what it's like to follow all the rules and goals of the world and have it not work for us at the end of the day. To live the life we're supposed to, the right rhythm, the right routine, study hard, whatever it may have been, and it didn't work. Now, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn back to our scripture reading this morning. It's Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Um, Jesus has so much to say about this in such little real estate on the page. 
Listen to what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, in Jesus' day, if you were a Jewish person, there were a lot of rules to follow. There was a lot of rhythms and a lot of routines that you were expected to make sure that you did. First five books of the Bible was the Torah, and it was filled with all kinds of rules. This is how you live your life. There was 613 laws. And then there was this secondary book that came out that kind of expanded upon that in some sense. Um, and it was called the Mishnah. And so there was a thousand more laws that you're supposed to follow and rules and rhythms that you're supposed to live into in your lives. And everyone was trying to follow the rules in Jesus' day because they believed if they followed all the rules well, they would feel good about themselves. They would fit into their communities well. And most importantly, their God would actually approve of them. It was a really big deal. And it was difficult. It was really difficult. It was arduous to follow all those rules. So many people in Jesus' culture walked around their lives knowing, I can't follow all these rules. I can't live into that rhythm. I just can't do it. With this great guilt that they carried with them. And as all these people walk around their lives with just filled with guilt, you get Jesus. He comes onto the scene and then he says this. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus literally says here that if you want to find a rhythm for your life that is sustainable and ultimately fulfilling for your life, whatever the cliche is that you'd use, your best life now, whatever that may be, it's simple, Jesus says. It's so simple. You'll only find that in following me. That's it. Jesus says, put my yoke on you. In simple terms, let me lead your life. And you won't believe what happens. Your soul will find rest and peace and wholeness. Just follow me, Jesus says. Literally be with me. Copy me. Do what I do. You know, I, I didn't ever quite understand what Jesus meant by this until I became a dad. Being a parent kind of reveals some things in life, clarifies things in life. You know, as a parent, you get to see your kids grow up, right? And you get to watch them through the thrills and the spills. And kids, when, especially when they're younger, they struggle with like the simplest tasks like every adult human has to do. They struggle like crazy in their lives. Um, they run around with their shoes not tied because they just don't know how to tie them. And then they catch their shoes on their other shoe and then they fall on their face. And you feel bad and you laugh because it's really funny. You know, your kids, they try to make you dinner, Right? Like, well, they're going to make you peanut butter and jelly for dinner, and they work really hard in the kitchen, and they bring it out to you, and their eyes are gleaming. They're really excited to let you try what they just created, and you bite into that sandwich, and there's a weird crunch. Have you had this? And then with a fake smile on your face, you eat the whole sandwich. Like, that's what you do. 
Maybe I only do that. I don't know. Our kids go to school, and they want to build friendships, and they're not really quite sure how to do all of that stuff, right? And we get to watch in those moments. And then as parents, we have this privilege, I think. It's a privilege of actually speaking into someone else's life in some fairly profound ways. We tell our kids how to live life. Here's what I did. You know, when our kid is struggling to tie a shoe and all that, as a parent, what you do is you get down on your knee and you take their shoe and then you say, hey, okay, now watch what I'm doing closely. And then you tie their shoe and then you say, hey, now you try it on the other foot. And then they mess it up and you do the whole process again until hopefully they might get it. When your kids want to learn how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you get the privilege of going into the kitchen, setting all the ingredients out and saying, okay, now I'm going to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now watch me. Watch the steps I take and follow me. Do it just like I did it and then it will work. And then they do and it works, right? Your kids struggle with friendships at school and relationships. They're not really sure how to do it. And what do you do? You say, hey, when I was in school, I did this and this and this, and this is actually what worked for me. Maybe copy me, follow me, do what I do, and then let's see what happens. Jesus says, the world out there has all kinds of advice for us on how to order our lives, rhythm and routine, and it will never satisfy. And you see, Jesus says, just like a mom or a dad, follow me, and it will. It will satisfy. I'll do it first, Jesus says, and, and, then, and then copy me, and then see what happens. Look, who are you following these days? Is it Jesus? Or do you have a chorus of other people and all their information and all their rhythms to life that you're following? I mean, what would happen if we actually just followed Jesus as simply as we could? We just followed him. How would that change our lives? Like, what if we found a quiet space regularly to spend time with the Father, just like Jesus did? What would that do? What if when other people wrong us, and maybe they do it intentionally, we just forgive and we take all the pain and we take it on ourselves and we forgive just like Jesus did? What would that do for us? Or what if, what if we actually took this book seriously? Like, what if instead of it just collecting dust on our nightstand, we actually picked it up and we were dedicated students of the text, just like Jesus was. We wanted to own all of this and saturate all of this and internalize all of this. How would that actually change our lives? Can you imagine? Perhaps today Jesus is saying, hey, it's time to take another step. Take my yoke and see what that's like. Maybe Jesus is calling you to that this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your incarnation. 
that you came into this world as one of us and that you lived your life and said, hey, now live it just like me. Thank you for the example. We thank you that your life in so many ways is the simple life and it's the life that will give us all that we long for out of our lives. God, perhaps for some of us, we don't know you. We're far from you. And in this moment, perhaps you're speaking loudly to us. There's a better rhythm. God, soften us so we can listen. For the first time or for the thousandth time. We thank you for your example. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen, church?